We live in the world, which is headed and run by the prince of the power of the air. But we live by the Spirit, discerning the times. For he who is spiritual discerns all things. Sharpen your discernment. Build your faith. Listen to the Word and World Team. Minister the Word of God through conversational theology, piercing the darkness of this present evil age. Hello darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. Welcome. This is Bob Brandon and Hampton Keithley, and we're going through Bob Brandon's core beliefs, which I mostly agree with. <laughs> You're always trying to distance yourself. So, Hampton, guess where I was this past weekend? Where? I was in Grand Junction. The reason that's memorable is you won't remember this, but that's where I met you. Oh, I remember. I remember Lori coming off the pool deck because she was yeah. down there. She was photographing and, Josiah. Yeah. yeah. And so she came back. Did you know Coach Bob went to Dallas Seminary? <laughs> And then turns out, oh, my gosh, we, you know, we meet and I'm going, wow, I know you because I bought my Greek fonts from you 25, 30 years ago, yeah. however long that was. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, we Bob's were there. World. Yep. There was a swim meet in, you know, in Junction. We got second. We won the girls. Uh, boys, we didn't have enough boys to to win the whole meet. But we oh. got, Second into me, Amelie's very, very fast. She won just about everything was she swam. So is Asen still on the team? He's in college now. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, he's at uh, August something, something Augustana or something like that in South Dakota or somewhere like that. And I assume he's, he's, I'm assuming he's swimming for them. He is. He's doing very well academically. You know, he's very sharp oh, yeah. um, swimming wise. So he came back for the holidays and swam with us. He didn't look like he was doing any better than when he swam with us. Maybe not even as good, but hmm. we'll see. He's a pretty fast swimmer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, what are we uh, on here as far as our core beliefs? Well, I have them numbered on my little sheet, but again, they don't pertain to any particular order. So the last one we covered was COVID-19 is a man-made part of a worldwide takeover. We covered that. So the next one on my list is there are only two sexes. So stated and covered. <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> Well, I would have a question about that one. So okay. um, I do agree, of course, but the question I would have is what would you say about, you know, using terms like biological male or whatever? It's, 
Is that no, giving sir. that's is that giving up the um, um, I don't know what I'm trying to ask the question. I'm using their language. And is that giving up too much to say those kinds of things? I think so. Of course it is. That That's just politic, political correctness. They're just trying to slant the conversation in the direction they want. Come on. How, how difficult is this? From time immemorial, boys, girls, Adam, Eve. That's it. Yeah. That's and it. it's the, it's and the I, most... I don't, well, it's. I remember thinking when when they can't even make up or understand that distinction, then you know the how the, far gone are you? The, yeah. Well, I think I'm remembering uh, Chesterton. He says they tried to tear the mitre off of pontifical man, and his head came off with it. Uh-huh. Chesterton. <laughs> Chesterton has so many good one-liners. Well, and so. You know, in in an attempt to get rid of God, you've now gotten rid of reason and the uh, most basic fact of life is that there are only two sexes. And so when we do away with that, we've lost all ability to reason and then we can fall for pandemics and other things. Yeah. And in the way, you know, we covered a lot of this with uh, Truman. Right. But a a lot of. one of the ways our culture approaches that now is that there's genetic sex, you know, the old paradigm of, you know, XX is a, is a female XY is a male genetically. Um, That's a gross, almost oversimplification. It still works on a lot of levels, but beyond. Mm -hmm. So what they're trying to say is, but that's just genetically. You know, gender is a choice. That's how they'll present that. So Well, and I always get frustrated because gender is a language, a term of language. Correct. <laughs> it's not, it, has nothing, it actually has nothing to do with male and female as far as biological, <clears throat> right. you know, sex. It's, yeah, and that's what it's a grammar saying. thing. And, yeah. And remember how they are, they are adept at loading the conversation with the terms, you know, to adjust the field they want to play. Yeah, I guess that's my question was, you know, do we use their terms? No, just use the good old old fashioned. So I was so taken aback, even though we talk about these things on our podcast. So I'm coaching the other day. There's a new lifeguard, you know, every season different people mm-hmm. <laughs> come in so this is a young, young woman maybe tw- i'm guessing at her age but mid-20s maybe late 20s you know has been through some graduate school at least in philosophy and so she's on the lifeguard stand and i'm standing nearby while i'm coaching there's a break i gave him something long to do so there's a break and she says so how do you identify <laughs> <laughs> i asked her and I'm telling you, she's being as kind, you know, in her mind, as kind as you could be. She she's doesn't have an agenda with that. She wants to make the, sure she wants to make sure she's using the right pronouns with yes, you. Yes. Yes. She yeah. She is sort of a courtesy. Mm-hmm. You know, like how do you want me to interact with you? I I wasn't offended. I was just so sad, you know, that that's where our culture is now. Right. So how do I identify? I'm a guy standing here. I'm a dad, a man, a dad, father. 
<laughs> you know, what What do you mean? Swim coach? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Of course I knew. And she, we had a nice conversation, but that's how it begins these days. Yeah. Interesting. So okay. Let's move on. There are only two sexes. Next one. This one's critical. If I, if I had to rate this, this is probably number one right after the, <laughs> after, after the bible well number three because the last one the resurrection of jesus christ is real so um this one is there are many people smarter than me man that's important to remember uh and good gracious is that ever true it, it's so easy for us i mean to slip into that you know the way i see it is the way it it is, right. you know, and boy, now and then that might be true, but there's a lot of people smarter than me. I have a great example of this. So yesterday I'm riding in the car with my daughter and this song comes on and uh, she's singing along with it. It's a song by a group Toto and it's, it's has something to do with Africa. Out of and, Africa? Well, it's not. I mean, that's a movie, I think, or something. Oh, but, that's right. It's just called Africa. You're right. Yeah. Hey, you, the the non-movie person, corrected me. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, she starts singing, you know, I bless the rains down in Africa. And then I said, Sophia, that's not that's not what he's saying. And she says, yes, it is. And I said, no, he he's saying I miss the rains. And she goes, no, it's blessed. And I'm like. Oh my goodness, Sophia! Come on, she googles. It's she's right. It is. Yeah, she's <laughs> it's blessed. Right. And, yeah, and it's so for you know, low these thirty years, I've been completely wrong. <laughs> what those lyrics are? Oh my gosh! I heard the funniest thing once on the radio along those lines. Same sort of example. It was in Dallas, driving around. They had like a Saturday morning show. And on this, uh, usually, you know, they're playing rock and roll music on this station, but they had a show on in the morning where they had uh, recorded people calling in the, the studio and requesting certain songs and how wrong they were on, you know, what the song was saying. Uh -huh. Oh, it was so funny. And the funniest one, you know, this lady calls in and she says, uh, can you play that party song? And the guy says, you know, well, you're only limiting me to about 400 choices there. You know, what, can you give me some more data to work with? What do you mean the party song? And she goes, you know, the one where the guy says, there's the bathroom on the right. And the, then there's this long pause. And the guy goes, are you referring to there's a bad moon on the rise? <laughs> Oh, but the whole show, you were just laughing your head off. My mom tells, oh my this, tells the story of her younger brother back when he was, I don't know, 10. And he was singing top of his voice. Thank you, Lord, for making my hole. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of making me whole. <laughs> oh, my goodness. OK, so I know you're rabbit trailing me, but this is worth a couple minutes of this. The other funniest thing I ever heard on the radio, same thing. It was like a Saturday morning show and I'm driving down to Denver from, from up here in the mountains and you can't hardly get any stations up here. Right. right? right. Without Siri, you know, before there was Sirius and satellite radio and so on. So anyway, when I got 
oh, maybe 40 miles outside of Denver, you know, maybe around the last <coughs> pass as you're heading down into to Denver, around Idaho Springs or something, a show comes on. So and it was the same thing. A radio show was playing uh, some of the calls they had gotten that were funny to them. So they play this instance. This woman calls in the show, just a local like talk show. And she says uh, they need to move those deer crossing signs on I-70. And, it, you know, the guy in the studio goes, OK, but, uh, you know, is something bothering you about that? She goes, yeah, I, I almost hit one of those deer the other day. <laughs> he, he, you know, long pause. And the guy goes, OK. And she goes, well, so you, they need to move those. And the, I mean, the guy was being as kind and gentle as he could be. He goes, ma'am, the deer aren't following the sign. They're, they're putting <laughs> the sign where the deer cross. They're not following. She, she couldn't get, I mean, this thing, this conversation went on five to 10 minutes. She That's couldn't crazy. get, she couldn't get that. Oh, goodness. Okay, so here's our next one. That one was, there are many people smarter than me. Yes, there are. And it's really good to remember that because it gives you pause about being too dogmatic. Next one. This is very important. We covered this on our tr the um, truth podcast where we, you know, did four or five sessions on the nature of truth, hammered that out. But uh, it's stated like this, the ultimate key to truth is the issue of source. So ultimately what that gets back to is God is the ultimate source of truth. Right, in the word of God. Or, and also you mentioned good science is another, <laughs> is another source, but not bad science. Yeah, and we'll get into that because I've got another one coming up that relates to that. And when we get to that one, I'm going to read to you uh, Walter Bregan who says the exact same thing. It's so in, he takes like three or four pages to say it, but he makes the same point. We'll, we'll get to that later on. But that's really uh, important to lodge in your thinking that the, the ultimate uh, key to truth is the issue of source. Where did you get that information? And I've said that to people you know over the years when you're up against it with somebody in an argument and they're they're saying x and you're saying w or something you go well, well who told you that where did you get that idea because that's not correct yeah, um, i got it i got it from facebook or i got it from <laughs> i got it from tiktok or i got it from you know something like that is probably not a good source Correct. So that's why when we do went over the COVID issue, what I tried to do with that is, as you well know, Hampton, I'm not a virologist. I'm not a microbiologist. I can understand science when it's written down and I can read at my own pace and follow the arguments, but I'm going to have to go to a source. And so is just about everybody on that issue. <clears throat> That's why I detailed my sources on that. Judy Mikovits is a world-renowned virologist. Right. But more than that, she speaks 
for Luke Montagnier and Frank Rossetti. Frank Rossetti awarded one of the two greatest scientific discoveries in the last hundred years. I'd say that's an important voice to listen to. Right. Luke Montagnier, Nobel Prize winner for his work against AIDS back in the 80s, which is where Mikevitz met him. I would listen to him. It doesn't mean, like we said, that they're they're definitive, but it means they're going to be pretty close to definitive and their voice needs to be heard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. if, if, if they're saying something opposite, which they are, to the mainstream media, I'm going to go with those guys. I, I just have zero respect for the mainstream media as a source. They've been demonstrated hundreds of times over to be fictitious. We even have that pejorative, right? Oh, that's fake news. That's a nice way to say it. The real way to say what they're doing is they are lying to you on purpose. It's all coordinated. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we when we did the COVID stuff, I tried to identify my sources. So um, for the vaccine world in general and to provide a history to that leads up to where we are today, you're going to want to read Robert Kennedy. He's served his whole life in the Children's Defense Fund in court against the vaccine companies. So you need to know what he's saying, how he lays it out. Bregan's another great source. So is Malone, mm -hmm. who invented the mRNA vaccine, right? So what I tried to do is follow my sources on that. It doesn't mean they're definitive. It just means you need to pay attention to that issue. Where did you get that information? And almost, almost every field is none of those answers are black and white. In almost every field, you have to know how to negotiate that field. For instance, I could refer to plenty of theologians that I don't believe at all, but they're highly skilled theologians, right? Right. Well, I'm, having, I, I'm having that issue right now as I am putting together my course for our dynamic, you know, our literal translations more accurate than dynamic translations. And so I'm reading, you know, the experts that have written theological journal articles and I'm disagreeing with some mm -hmm. of the statements. And so, you know, you have to go through all of that. And mm -hmm. this person's normally a good source, mm -hmm. but on this issue, correct. You know, how do you, so how do you deal with some of that? And here's another example. So when you see documentary type shows around Easter time or something, and they're going to talk about the life of Jesus, almost invariably, that's all liberal scholars that they're citing, almost right. invariably, right? And they're scholars in that they know their field. They are not lazy people. Right. They know how to use the tools. They're very skilled at their job. They are not coming from the right perspective. So I had that, that what is, issue. In what a, is the worldview of the source? Cor correct. Correct. And, and every field's like that, Hampton. So if you're going to wade into the vaccine world, well, you're going to have to learn where to step and where to not step because there are plenty of outright geniuses on the wrong sides of those issues. And the only way you can determine that <coughs> is you have to read enough to get familiar with that field and see where the money's flowing. Mm -hmm. And that, that'll usually tip you off as to 
whose statements to trust, Mikevitz, Rossetti, Montagne, they don't make a penny off what they're saying. Right. The, the guys who are touting the mainline stuff, they make millions of dollars off what they're saying. So just follow those. That's been a, a saying for a long time. Follow the money. It's a good, good modern proverb, but it's a good one. Yeah. So the ultimate key to truth is the issue of source. Next important core belief, in my opinion, only God can pierce the evil, deluded human heart. Let's go with a biblical example on that one. And this is just to raise the question. Before the apostle Paul, so is before he came to faith, can you imagine trying to reason him into the faith? No. No way. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Right? You, you would not win that argument. There, there's, you wouldn't have a chance. He's dead set on what he thinks. You have to have, in his case, the risen Lord basically blind him, knock him down, shake him until Paul could humble himself enough to get that message. So, right. and, and so it is, I mean, we use that as an example par excellence, but that's the case with everyone. It may look on the outside like, um, oh, it was pretty easy to lead so-and-so to faith. And I, I understand someone thinking that, right? But the reality is, well, God led that person to faith. You, you, your argument wasn't so watertight that they had no choice but to agree with you, right? Here, here's another example of it. Um, who could be a better witness than God himself? And when Jesus was here, they crucified him. There were obviously thousands and thousands of people that he did not persuade. Right. So are you a presuppositionalist and not an evidentialist? I'm not sure what you're <laughs> asking me. I'm so slow. That's getting back to my other principle. There's many people smarter than me. Okay. Well, uh, presuppositionalism presuppos is where you, you believe and then everything makes sense because you believe. This is an oversimplification. Evidentialism is I yeah, can convince yeah. you. I can convince you with the facts that. Jesus yeah, no, God. no, you can't. Yeah, you, you, although you know, I I wouldn't even like a lot of those sort of this or that kind of questions. Obviously, there's elements of both of those right. things that are right. very powerful. I obviously believe the arguments that um, that I state. And I believe they have power. Paul will literally say, right, his arguments destroy strongholds in 2 Corinthians 10. Um, and, and he reasoned so, He reasoned with the people uh, on Mars Hill. He did. And we are called to that. I've, right. I love apologetics. I love that whole field. So I, I devote a fair amount of time to that. But I keep in the back of my mind, it's not the precision or adroitness of my argument that's ever going to win some you know god may well use that and i i need to be as sharp as i can to honor god did you have but dr it, hannah did, 
Did you have Dr. Uh, Hanna? I, I had Hanna for like church history. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, I, I remember a comment he made where he said it was the Calvinists who were all of the missionaries who persevered and stayed in country. And it was the um, Armenians who gave up and came home because they felt like they were failures when they didn't convert people. And, and the Calvinists were just trying to be faithful to present the gospel. And they knew it was up to God to change the heart. I thought that was was an interesting perspective yeah perspective that's such such a good way to say it hampton because in, in my own mind you know not remembering hannah saying something like that while i was listening anyway but i've always considered real success is faithfulness i i'm not in charge of the results God, god's in charge of that my my job is to be found faithful to him i have a fantastic example of that i want to tell you there used to be, though you can't get many radio stations up here in the mountains, we used to be able to get something out of Colorado Springs. Um, what was that ministry down there? Famous guy. Focus on the family. I right, think. right. So, boy, if I was making a long drive like here over to Carbondale or something, and if it was nighttime, I'd try to tune in that station. I heard the greatest story I've heard four or five of the greatest stories on that show. I, I just wish I could tune into that some more. But one of them, this guy felt like he was called to evangelize. And so his uh, the way he went about doing that, you know, he'd write up some tracks, have them published, and then go stand on the street corner of a major city and just literally hand them out to people all day long. And when he felt that he had, you know, been there long enough, he'd move on to the next city. He spent decades doing that and no one had ever come to faith. And eventually Hampton, he was so depressed and he was in Australia in in his latter years and he was gonna die out of depression. So he's hospitalized and they couldn't, really diagnose a medical condition other than they clearly saw him dying before their eyes and um, not long before he was going to go just a little knock on his door guy walks in and he says uh, are you so and so and and the guy says i am and he says were you ever in the i, I can't remember the city so I'm, I'm making this stuff up but but the instance was as he related it and uh, he said, were you ever in Chicago? He says, I, I was. He says, were you handing out tracks like this? And he showed the guy a track. And the guy goes, yeah, I did. And the guy, and it had been, you know, 20 years previous. And the guy says, well, can I tell you a story? He says, yeah. And he said, well, I saw you doing that. And you never handed me a track, but I saw what you were doing. And I saw somebody take it from you and walk around the corner and throw it in the garbage. So I followed that guy and picked that track out of the garbage. And I read it and I came to faith. And I went back around the corner to talk to you and you had gone. And I've been following you for 20 years. 
trying to figure out, you know, where, where are you going next? And how could I trace your trail? And he said, I finally just caught up with you a few minutes ago. And I want you to know that in all those years I've been following you, do you have any idea how many people I've met that came to faith through what you were doing? I mean, can you imagine that, Hampton? Mm, no. Just, it was Pretty such powerful. a heartwarming story. Oh, my gosh. You almost just felt like crying when you heard that story. But so to me, uh, only God can pierce the evil, deluded human heart. But our job is to be faithful to the task. So anyway, one of my core beliefs. And that ties into the next one. And oh, it does, doesn't it? So the next one, loneliness is the attendant circumstance of a life of faithfulness. Remember the concept in the scriptures that's there almost from page one all the way through. Then ultimately, it's the remnant that God has preserved. Um it, think, it hasn't I think, been. I think about Elijah. Oh, my goodness. What a struggle for. And really, isn't he sort of a picture of all the prophets? I imagine how lonely that would be if you knew you were in direct contact with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he's telling you, you know, say X. And so you're preaching that here. And the people just shake their head, walk away at best. At worst, they throw you in the well, like Jeremiah, or try and kill you, like with Elijah. But imagine the loneliness of being a prophet. In their case, you truly, they truly are seeing things correctly. But it's a very few minority that see that with them. You will lead a lonely life if you follow the Lord fully. Because you, you'll be close to being unique. There aren't many who do that. Well, so, and you're going to be going against the culture. So you're not going to be sw- pop, you're not swimming be upstream. Yeah. Swimming upstream. I mean, can you imagine? You've heard this uh, before, haven't you? But I think it's a really good illustration. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul applying for a church position today in Western Christianity? <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, Paul, what have you ever done? Well, I got stoned over here because I riled up the crowd and, you know, barely escaped with my life. In fact, every place I've been, there's been huge uproar. You know, I'm pretty good at rocking the boat. (laughs) You wouldn't ever get hired. And yet you were the most skilled guy there's ever been at doing church work (laughs) and church planning, you know? Mm -hmm. It just... So back to your point, yeah, you are swimming upstream if you follow the Lord. Yeah. So maybe I'll toss in, since you're trying to rabbit trail me, toss in a good definition. Because in contrast to the kingdom of God, there needs to be in our thinking a definition of the world. John uses that term frequently. And it's a theologically loaded term. So, for instance, perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world 
So what does John mean when he uses that term, the world? I don't think he's referring to, you know, oh, that's uh, Colorado. You know, he loves the beautiful rivers and mountains and snowy peaks and rocky peaks and the aspen forest. He's not talking about the physical creation. So in that sense, it's metonymy, the container for the contents right? God mm-hmm. so loved the world. He means the people in the world, right. but there's a much better way even than that to define it. So in my opinion, Charles Ryrie had the best definition of the world I'd ever heard. And his definition went like this. The world is that organized system headed and run by Satan which is contrary to God and leaves him out. So anybody that follows God, right? A life of faithfulness, you will be lonely because most people are caught up with the world. Right. And back to the, the COVID thing, I, to me, I've been trying to wrap my brain around that, how serious of an issue I believe that is. Not that there's this great virus that's wiping out the population. It's much worse than that. It's humankind wiping out the population on purpose and using the virus as an excuse to do that. That's what I believe is going on. But it's so depressing to realize that, that, you know, through prayer, you're just like, Lord, what's what can I see in here that's, that's good? Because it just looks all dark to me. One of the good things, I'm sure there might be a number of things, but one of them that I've clung to is this issue is going to separate the world from the true believers. Harshly so. It'll be a sharp divide. And that is a thing worthy of praise. Yeah. That is worthy. Remember the famous, oh, what's his name? The famous Christian. It's the guy who basically started the branch of the faith that I've found myself in. Uh, Labrie, Schaefer, Francis Schaefer. Yeah. So he used to say, um, he had a great way to put this issue. And he would say, you know, if you were put on trial in a court of law for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> yeah, that's a, good that's, one. that's a good one, right? You go, oh, well, yeah, I helped this lady across. The, yeah, I got unbelieving friends that do that. You know, it, it you'd be hard pressed to really get down to, well, what have you done that really distinguishes you that way? COVID will provide you a very clear example. One mm-hmm. side or the other. So. Loneliness is the attendant circumstance of the life of faithfulness. Next one. What do you think of this one, Hampton? Truth, love, and power are ultimately inseparable. Well, my mind goes to, is it Ephesians 4.25? Speak the truth in love. Or 4.15. I can't remember the exact address, but... So Very truth good. and love go truth and love go together there. So how do you tie power into that? Well, so we'll we'll get to that. <clears throat> Let me tie truth and love together a little with another illustration. Your verse is very good and well received. So you've lived up here in the mountains, 
Mm -hmm. You know that in the spring, man, these rivers up here are powerful because of the snow melt. Right. But think about it. It's not the water that's making them powerful. It's the banks of the river. Because when that river overflows its banks, it just becomes a big pond that dries up. It doesn't accomplish anything. But if the river stays in its banks, it's powerful. So I've always seen love as the river and the banks of the river as As truth. truth, Right. That's a, that's a good word picture. Yeah. That, that channels it in a way that, you know, you can really accomplish something. And then that leads us to the idea of power, Mm -hmm. right? Where, whereas if you have love without the banks of the river, again, it's just a big pool. Like we used to call, you've driven through Edwards and there's times when the Eagle river flowing through Edwards overflows the banks. And jokingly, those who live up here, we call it Lake Edwards. <laughs> and it, it doesn't do anything. It just sits there and the grass is all wet. But it does, doesn't accomplish it. You're not going to get a great river raft ride out of that. You're going to sit there and sort of just float around. You yeah, might, we, were, we were down in Victoria, Texas years ago. And the Guadalupe River overflowed its banks and I think it was at least a couple miles wide down there. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that water on the edges was not moving very fast. It was just. No, no. And it could be destructive. Mm-hmm. Right. So the river without the banks can be very destructive. With the banks, you could turn a turbine or create something with it. Right. right. You can have fun with it, recreation. You can do things if it's channeled inside the banks. It's very powerful. Outside the banks, it's nothing but destructive often. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's, good. that's how I see those things working together. But then, you know, one way to ap- apply it, if you love someone, you tell them the truth. And if you're lying to them, you don't love them. Right. You know, those those two those concepts go together. So, you know, back to the political side of this stuff, one of the more annoying things that goes on in our culture today is when when the mainstream media will pull out their, quote, fact checkers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, that's the fox guarding the hen house, if I've ever seen it. Right. If you ever see a you know, come across something like that or hear that on the news or see that on the internet, go follow that source for a while and see how wrong those quote fact checkers are. Oh my gosh. There was a Senator the other day. It might've been Oklahoma cotton. Yeah. And so he was saying, you know, a year ago, Hey, this, this plan you guys are passing through is going to give stimulus checks to criminals you know, hardened criminals in jail. Oh, and of course, the, all the quote fact checkers. Oh, no, it won't. Yes, it did. Exactly like Cotton said, you know, here's our tax dollars going to going to criminals in a stimulus check. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, 
Truth, love, and power are ultimately inseparable. So remember that when you hear a mainstream message, um, those politicians erase this thought. If you have this in your mind, they are not there to help you. Their agenda when they get up in the morning does not read like this. Let me help citizen Joe. That's not on their list of things to do. Okay, their agenda reads like this. How can I gain more power and money? Power, usually that's defined as money. And how can I personally do that? Number one job when a politician in our country is inaugurated into office, their job starts day one, get reelected. That's their job as they see it. So don't be right disillusioned that you know they're there to help you they are not and that's clear by the fact that they really never solve any issues i'll give you another good example um i don't want to come across as hey uh you're only criticizing one side of these things i don't really see too many of our issues as you know one side versus that side those aren't the categories that I work under in my mind. I happen to think <coughs> most conservatives are liberals anyway. So I, I'm not into this side of the aisle or that side of the aisle. I'm into, as you could tell by our podcast, truth. Which side, which side is closer to the truth? So this was a great example. I remember when Obama was running for the, his first term. And he gave a speech at Hampton University. Hey, Hampton, there you go. <laughs> your, your own school. So anyway, uh, his audience was entirely black. And by the way, it's very difficult to find this on the Internet today. Because the powers that be have taken it down because they know you could trace this when you hear what i'm gonna relay you'll see why they took this down i remember it almost word for word the speech because i almost jumped out of my chair so he's giving us a speech really he's rallying the the troops and um gearing them up to vote for him and so on so he talked about there had been uh hurricane katrina and there had also been another hurricane under Bush's term, uh, something in Florida, might have been Andrew or something. I forget the exact name of the storm, but devastating, not as much as Katrina, but devastating to Florida. And Obama was making the point that there's a government rule that says, and it has a guy's name attached to it and, you know, some numbers um, but there's a government law whereby if they grant government aid, they are required, the, the local government is required to pony up, I forget the percent, but like 10%. So they have some skin in the game. It's not just like the national government comes in and solves your problem for your storm. That's mm -hmm. the law. But there's a provision in that law that they can waive that if they want and so obama says to the entirely black crowd he explains that situation 
just like I explained it. And he says, so with the storm in Florida, they didn't require the 10%, you know, that the local powers had to put in 10% because that's their people. But you, in New Orleans with Katrina, you had to pay the full, you, the full 10%. Hampton, I almost jumped out of my chair because I remember that being voted on. So here's the truth, because what you just heard was a lie. They did vote on uh, the Florida guys were not, that part is correct. Here's the part that was wrong. New Orleans did not have to pay the 10%. They also waived it for them. But this will be nice to know. At the time of that vote, Barack Obama was a senator. Right. So How did he, he vote? He voted against giving them the break. Can you believe a guy standing up there saying that? Like Bush ripped you off. You guys didn't get the break. The truth is they did get the break, but it was Barack that voted against them. Wow. Now, so, so here's the bottom line. Do you think Barack loves those people? No. Nope. No. How can you, if you are just point blank lying to them, how, how can you love them? So that's the principle. Truth, love, and power are ultimately inseparable and that has lots of applications to the things you see today ready for the next one yep okay next core belief never forget the scoreboard <laughs> so i'm a sports fan okay. so so <clears throat> every time i listen to one of these pre-game shows like oh the browns are going to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here are the three things the Browns need to do to ensure a victory. And then they'll come to the other side. Here are the three things the Steelers. None of that is true. Here's what's true. You know what? The Browns need more points than the right. Steelers. That's it. Okay, that, That's how that's determined. May, you know, maybe some bizarre things happen. We don't have to establish the running game. Maybe Pittsburgh fumbles. And we scoop it up and score. That's a pretty good way to get some points. You understand what I'm saying. You don't right. have to do anything other than get more points than the other guy. So let's apply that biblically. The My core belief, never forget the scoreboard. What are What's the issue biblically at hand? Here's how I see it. In Genesis 1 and 2, you've heard me say this numerous times by now. Heaven and earth were one thing. Right. There was one kingdom. It was the kingdom of God. In Revelation, the last three chapters, heaven and earth are one thing again. There is one kingdom, the kingdom of God. In between, there's a split. Heaven and earth are split. Now there's still the kingdom of God, but now there's a rival kingdom imagine satan tempting jesus and saying showing him all the kingdoms of the world and saying i will give you these if you bow down and worship me jesus 
does not say, hey, that's a bogus offer. Those aren't yours to be handing out. Apparently, that's a legitimate offer, okay. right? So now, in between the first two chapters of the Bible and the last three chapters of the Bible, there are rival kingdoms. So what are they playing for? Dominance of those kingdoms. And the best way you can describe that dominance is numbers in a sense, right? Ultimately, God's going to win. There's, there is no scoreboard issue in the end. He wins. Imagine, right. a, imagine a sporting event like that, by the way. If they, <clears throat> how differently you would watch that game if you knew the final score. Right. Good point. Isn't that interesting? And th like, <clears throat> here's another example of that. How differently would, would your attitude towards life be if you won the lottery, but you hadn't collected yet, but you knew you won it? <laughs> right. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're driving home and you have the winning lottery ticket and you can go cash that whenever you want. But, you know, on the way home, you get a flat. So what? <laughs> right. right. I mean, wouldn't you almost just be laughing? I don't care. Let me call AAA or let me just fix this thing. You're getting dirty. Terrible things are happening. You come home, you spill your dinner on the floor. But none of that would bother you. Really, I don't think. Right. Because because you knew, right? Well, think of us, Hampton, as believers. Haven't you already won way more than that? Right. Then what the heck? Why don't why don't we live like that? Because because I think we kind of live one one foot in the kingdom, one foot in the world, as opposed to both feet in the kingdom. What that's really raising theologically is an issue that's called the already and the not yet, right? Paul will say, God's already seated you in the heavenlies, mm -hmm. right? Now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So you have to hold those two thoughts, you know, together all the time. The already, you're already victorious. Um, the not yet is you need to live that out until it's fully in place but back to the okay uh, principle at hand never forget the scoreboard so never forget the final score you've already won and there's two players in that game to continue the game metaphor that never forget the scoreboard god and satan they never forget what what's up on that board so for instance can you be a really, quote, good person in Satan's kingdom? Sure. That's not points. He doesn't care about that. Can you be a total monster in his kingdom? Sure. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Neither of those things are scoreboard issues. Don't be deceived by the, you know, your neighbor who's a good person. If they, they are unbelievers, don't be deceived. Don't treat them terrible at all. You understand what I'm saying, right? It's just keep in mind the scoreboard, the, re, the real scoreboard. Yeah. So, okay. okay, next one. 
and then we'll probably leave off today. We'll hit this big one after this one, but uh, forget the concept of being fair. Prayer isn't fair. So here's so here's what okay. I mean by <laughs> here's what I mean by that core belief. There are thousands of things that are going to happen in your life that are not fair. So don't use that as a oh a thing that tweaks your perspective on the world. You know, like oh Trump didn't win that re-election. It was unfair because it was unfair. So what are you going to do about that? No, that was not fair. But we can pray that God will lead justice to victory like he said he would do. And Trump's not our solution to our problems anyway. Right. I'm just, I'm just saying thousands of things are going to happen to you that aren't fair. Move on. Pray more. Prayer is not fair. You have the ultimate power in the universe on your side. Use it. <laughs> yeah, good point. Okay. So anyway, how about we call it there for the day? And we will pick up next time with a very important subject to me and to Jesus. And it's I'll just read it, though we'll cover it next time. Beware of the prince of the power of the air. Okay, that'll take a little bit of time. <laughs> All righty. Okay, well, thanks. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Hampton. Bye-bye. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. <laughs>